Welcome to the Central Christian Church Message Podcast. We are passionate about leading people to discover and fully own faith in Jesus. It is our desire that the following message inspires you to take your next steps in your own faith. Let's dive in. morning to each and every one of you. It is great to see you here. I want to welcome you. Obviously, I want to welcome those of you who are on any of our campuses and also our online community. I want you to know that first thing this morning, we gathered together and we prayed for all of you, but you and you and you. And it's, it's great to have you. Today is a very special day around here. And uh, there's a there's a number of things happening that I'm so glad you're here today. Uh, so here's the deal. In our church, there is an event called the, the Leadership Summit, the Global Leadership Summit. We host it here every August. So it's August 4th and 5th of this year. And uh, this is a big deal. Thousands of people come to this event, all right? In fact, this year we're going to host it in Gilbert, we're going to host it in Mesa, and we're going to host it in Queen Creek. And uh, it, it is, it's just this opportunity to learn leadership that we think is unprecedented. And, and so so we're really excited about that. And so what we did about a decade ago, because we've hosted this thing for probably 20 years now, but about a decade ago, we figured out that one of the most uh, powerful things that we can do is let people experience the summit uh, in May. And, and, and then we start the registration and it's like if people will sign up in May, uh, they're, they're going to be ready come August when the summit comes. And so I just want to be really, really clear. I, I want to, every card on the table, there is one motive I have for you uh, today. And that is you'll sign up for the leadership summit. Are we clear? Now, whether you do that or not, you just devastate me. That's all right. I've gotten over other issues. I'll I'll get over that you didn't sign up. But that's what we're trying to do. We want you to sign up. We want you to come. And it's the cheapest you can sign up this weekend. There's an add-on event called Beyond the Summit, which follows the summit, which I sit in a room with a bunch of leaders, and we get to hash out what we learn. I just want you there. And I'm not playing any games with you. I want you there. So I hope you'll sign up. Now, today, uh, in fact, i got to tell you, this is interesting. So... We have a special guest today that normally we would just show you a video of from the summit, uh, but we were actually able uh, to get this guy that you're about to experience to come. Now, I had him lined up two years ago, so I just want you to go back in your mind. Two years ago, May of 2020, that was when the pandemic broke out and we shut the church down. So I had to go, Albert, uh, there's just no reason. It's not right. And so we were able to get him for today, and I'm here to tell you, you are going to be so blessed. And then they shut the corner down here, and all of you that found this building, you guys should be commended. You have a GPS in your head because you've had to go through a ridiculous obstacle course to get here, and I appreciate the fact that you did. All I'm trying to say is this. I think that God wants you to experience what you're about to experience. Uh, Last night when they worked on the corner here, they cut the power line. And we had no power to this place last night. Let's just say we prayed a lot, okay? Because this is a lot at stake. And this is what I'm trying to tell you. We are so incredibly fortunate to, to have Albert. Now, I'm going to tell you a couple things about Albert. Albert and his wife, uh, LaRosa, have been, been married for quite a while. They have four kids. And they, are, they, they planted a church in Monrovia, California uh, called Fellowship Church. It is an intergenerational, multi-ethnic. It is an incredible uh, gathering of people. And he is a phenomenal leader. He is such a good leader. He sits on various boards. I'm not going to go into all of this with you, but he is all over the place, but he is also an author. 
Uh, How We Love Matters is a book he just dropped, and you might want to check that book out. But he travels around the world. He speaks everywhere. He's much in demand. And we feel incredibly fortunate to have him here today. Now, I've been in the first two services of today. And I'm here to tell you, you are going to be blessed. So, church, here's what I need you to do. I need you to do what you do really, really well, which is make somebody who, who is our guest feel welcome in this church. Would you welcome Albert Tate? Albert! Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Ah, hey Central, how y'all doing? Y'all good? Well, I tell you, I am peacock proud and hyena happy to be here with y'all today. I tell you, I cannot wait to dive into God's word together. Amen? Amen. Would you meet me in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Hear these words from the authority of Scripture. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. um, I'm going to pray, but my prayer is that every leader, every follower of Jesus Christ, at the Leadership Summit, we believe that every... Everyone has influence, and everyone that has influence is a leader. Whether you're leading the boardroom table or the kitchen table, you have influence. And I want to talk about what every single leader needs more of, what every single leader needs to do better of, what every single leader needs to be shaped by and led by, and that, my friends, is love. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this great church. Thank you for the great ministry. 
Father, your children have now gathered together to listen, so would you speak, O Lord, as only you can? Would you tune our ear to your voice so that we might hear you ever so clearly? Would you turn our hearts toward you so that we might experience the fullness of all that you have for us? God, it's to that end that I ask that you stand in my body, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, those things you would have us say, know, and do. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. Get glory in this place. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Jesus, in the book of John, talks about his prayer. Um, It's not the Lord's Prayer, uh, although parenthetically the Lord's Prayer is better interpreted the disciples' prayer that we find in Matthew chapter 6. But this is the Lord actually praying himself. He's not teaching anybody to pray. This is his prayer for believers, his prayer for you and I. And when he prays for us, this is what he prays. He says, my prayer is not for them as individuals. My prayer is for them collectively, and it is that they would be one Father, as you and I are one. He prays for our unity. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I'm praying for somebody, I'm praying for somebody based off of what I understand about them and what could potentially be their biggest burden or their biggest challenge. What's the thing that's most likely to get in their way, even if they don't understand that that's the thing that's most likely to get in their way. So when I pray for my 13-year-old daughter, Lord, I pray for her attitude. Lord Jesus, I'm praying that she have a good attitude today. Now, she probably ain't never prayed for her attitude a day in her life because she doesn't understand that that's her biggest burden or challenge, but I do. God understood something about us, whether we understand it or not, and he said, my children are way more impactful, way more meaningful, and they share and walk in the fullness of purpose in their life when they walk together. He knows the power of what happens when we come together. And he knows the threat that it brings when we're divided. Therefore, if Jesus' greatest prayer for us is unity, Satan's greatest ploy against us is disunity. Should I say that again? If Jesus' greatest prayer for us is unity, then Satan's greatest ploy against us is disunity. He doesn't want us to come together. He wants us to be divided. And y'all, I don't know if you know this, but it feels like we are more divided now than ever before. And y'all, we divided, we, we get divided now over just weird stuff. Just dumb stuff, stuff that don't even make sense. Stuff that, it's like, really, we divided over that? Like people are getting mad and fighting about whether you should wear a mask or not. Or whether you should get vaccinated or not. Like we're fighting families breaking up. Un-Margaret, I'm coming to the birthday party. Well, you got to wear a mask. I'm not wearing them. I don't believe in masks. I believe in Jesus. Well, Un-Margaret, grandmama got lupus. You going to kill grandmama? Well, I believe in Jesus. Jesus is going to raise her up. What? <laughs> and you notice how easily people are getting offended. And when they get offended, they just get mad and just leave, just walk away. Like, 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 like getting offended is like the worst thing that can happen to you. I, I can't believe you said that I'm offended. I'm offended that you got vaccinated. I'm offended you did get vaccinated. I'm offended you asked me about getting vaccinated. I'm offended that you sent me an article on Facebook about Dr. Fauci getting vaccinated and how it's a conspiracy and him and Bill Gates going to send us all on Elon Musk's uh, ship to the planet upstairs and we're going to all die. Well, well why they got to go through all that? That's an expensive death. They could just shoot us here if that was the case. 
Like, that's a lot of money just to go up there and die. Like, all, yo, everybody, and, and we're just divided over all kinds of stuff. I, I mean, I got the vaccine. I, I got it. I got the vaccine. I got the booster. I went to go get a shot, took a friend. He brought a lime. I said, boy, it ain't that kind of shot. What are you doing? What are you doing up in here? Put that away. Put that. Save that for later. Uh, and, you know, and, and that was the last time I invite Pastor John to go anywhere with me. Uh, I, I'm just, I was like, this guy. What kind of church is Pastor Cal running over there in Arizona, man? But we just, we just, you know, I got it. I got it. I don't, people say, well, I'm not getting the vaccine because I don't know what's in it. Well, I couldn't say that because, you know, I eat chicken McNuggets. <laughs> oh, come on. You don't know what's in them nuggets. But there you go popping them. I know what's on them, barbecue sauce. But what's in them? Only Lord knows. And, you know. Bill Gates and Elon Musk, according to my Aunt Mildred. Uh, you know what I mean? So, but we just got divided and got offended. And some of us got mad. You're mad. It's so interesting. I told somebody, we know more about your vaccination status and what you believe than your salvation status and what you believe. You've, you've talked more on social media and you've talked more about that. Or, or the other thing, uh, you, got, you got people that are trying to, trying to cele- elevate the elephant. You got other folks that are trying to elevate the donkey. And we're wondering what happened to the elevation of the lamb. Because we're so closely aligned to the elephant. We're so closely aligned to the donkey. And y'all, I believe we're missing the great opportunity to be aligned to the lamb and allow him to shape and show forth who we are and who God's called us to be. And in this division, we are showing that we just don't know how to love one another well. And the irony is Satan knows that. Satan knows that you worshiping in church on a Sunday and you crying, you know what I mean? Way make a miracle work. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God. He's a God, God. Like, he's fine with you wiping a tear from your eye as long as you roll those same eyes at your neighbor. Did you, did you get that? So you can read your little daily devotionals. You can go have your cup and re- pray every day. As long as you're a jerk to your neighbor, it's all good. Because Satan knows that when we get to heaven, we're going to stand there at the gates. And the first thing he's going to ask us is not about Pastor Cal's sermons. He's not going to ask us about your church attendance. He's not going to ask, ask about uh, how long, how, how many hours did you spend, you know, uh, listening to worship music, which if you get a Maverick City album, that's going to be a, a one song is like 24 hours. So <laughs> you're going to be worshiping for a long time. You know what I mean? Like, my gosh, how long can a song be? You know what I mean? How many times can we sing this chorus? You know what I mean? I want to be tried and fired. Not a hundred times. Good Lord. <laughs> You got to be in the mood for a Maverick City song, Jack. You got to be, you got to be depressed because you're going to have, you're going to get out of depression and go back in and come back out again. Out of that song. Just give me a good three minute song. I don't have time. I got to be in the mood for Maverick City. I can't handle Maverick City today. It ain't raining outside, you know? Anyway, that has nothing to do with the sermon. That was just extra. Um, he, he knows that when we see him, he's going to ask us, what did, you, what did you do with the least of these? Least of these, least of these, who culture says don't matter. 
People that are other than you. People that don't look like you, don't live like you, don't think like you, or don't vote like you. How did you treat, how did you treat people that were not just different than you, but less ethical than you? Like you don't believe in abortion. How did you treat people that do? You don't believe that the election was real. How do you treat people that do? You believe the election was actually real and Biden is a legitimate president. How do you treat the people that don't believe that? How do you, how do you treat people that feel like racism still exists and that they're, they're being broken by it, even if you don't agree with it? How do you treat the immigrant, the foreigner? Like in Matthew 25, he says, literally, when we all get to heaven, one of the first questions he's asking is that. That means, you know what? His prayer was that we walk in unison. His first question is, how do we treat one another? Satan knows that this is a really big deal to God, but we live as though it's not a big deal at all. Because we haven't loved one another well. As a matter of fact, Jesus looks at him and he says, yo, you're going to know my disciples. You're going to know which ones are my disciples by, by their theology. No? By their doctrine. No? By their stance, by their political party affiliation. No? By the way they wear their hair. No? By long dresses and long sleeve shirts. No? Because if that was the case, everybody in Arizona would die and go to hell. Uh, <laughs> Everybody I've seen, I've seen their legs. I ain't seen nobody with legs covered up other than, you know, Pastor John, and that's for, that's for good reason. Uh, I saw those legs yesterday. You don't want them out. Uh, not because they're bad, but because they're so good. We don't want anybody to stumble. He says, you're going to know my Christians because those are the ones in culture loving everybody else Loving everyone that everyone else is looking over. They're the ones loving everyone else. With the people that are disregarded, that are oppressed, that are ignored. They're the ones loving them. That's how you will know who my Christians are. Satan doesn't want us to come together. As a matter of fact, he wants us to feel good about loving people less. That's why you got to be careful with the news you listen to. You got to be careful because Tucker Carlson and Rachel Maddow and Don Lemon, if you're not careful, you'll allow them to disciple you right into a self-centered comfort that's antithetical to Christianity. Oh, some of y'all like Tucker and Rachel. Look at y'all. Y'all just hurt your feelings. Let me say that again. Anybody that you listen to that makes you feel better about loving people less it's probably Godless. Can I say that again? I'm gonna say it again, and then I'm gonna sip my water as a, to create a space to say Salah and, and give you an opportunity to roll your eyes back. Um, anybody that makes you feel better about loving people less is probably Godless. You, you see what I'm saying? Do you see what's happening in our culture? 
Everybody's getting their tribes, their corners, and they're drawing lines in the sand. Oh, and if you say something that offends me or you say something I don't agree with, then I'm going to get mad and I'm going to leave. Pastor, you've been preaching for years and I've always agreed with you, but last week you said one thing in three words that made me mad. And so I'm taking my whole family and we go into the church up the street. Come here, Lucretia and Junior and Ray Ray. Come on, we are leaving this place. And all of a sudden they're gone because they got offended. Because we don't know how to get offended and work through it and stay at the table. As if being offended is the worst thing that can happen to you. Let me tell you something. According to this book, being offended is not the worst thing that can happen to you. One of the worst things that could potentially happen to you is you being offended and you not loving well those who offended you. Can I say that again? It's not about you being offended. It's about you not loving well those who offended you. See, God calls us, friends, to what what we call is enemy love. He calls us to love people that are hard to love. He calls us to love people that don't look like us, don't live like us, don't think like us, don't vote like us. And then he says, and that's how you're going to know who my kids are. By their strong witness and their ability to love. Is that how we're known in culture? Right now, I fear that we're known for what we believe, what we're against, what we're for. We're known for our rights. We're known for the people that we don't like in culture. We're known for this. We're known for, we're, we're known for being judgmental and condemning. And God says, our, the calling card of followers of Jesus is that you'll know who, the, who they are because how they're loving people. Jesus says, my greatest hope is that we will come together. And it seems like it's harder and harder for us to come together, even as people groups. Don't you know what Revelation 7, 9 says, when we get to heaven, we're going to all be there together around God's throne, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every race. Do y'all know it ain't going to be no white section of heaven, no black section, no Latino section, no Asian section, no indigenous section. We'll all be there together declaring worthy is the lamb that was slain. Parenthetically, though, if it was a black section, y'all know the music would be off the chain, don't you? <laughs> like, girl, I'm going to the black section tonight. Hey. Hey, praise girl, come. Never mind. All right, let's do it. So my thing is, if we're going to stand around the throne eternally, we ought to be able to sit around the table presently. We, we, we ought to be able to come together and hear one another's story, see one another's burdens, and not be one another's burdens. The church of Corinth, Paul is dealing with this, and he's got a big problem on his hands because these are very, very spiritual people. They're very spiritual. They're very godly people. They love the Lord. They go to, go to Bible study. They do their devotionals. They got the nice little place in the morning for their devotional. They got their chair, which is called their prayer chair. And then they got their coffee. And then they got their little notes, their little journal. And they got their Beth Moore bobblehead right there. And they've just got, they just got it all laid out. And he says, yeah, those people, really spiritual, love, really anemic. And he calls them out in our passage. He says, hey, You can have a faith that can move a mountain, but if you ain't got love, then you don't have anything. You can be spirit-filled, love-less, and it equals God-less. You can get it all right, but get it all right without any love, 
and still get it all wrong. And then he goes deeper. He helps us to understand love is not ambiguous. So you don't get to make up what your version of love is. I'm going to love you how I want to love you. No, love is not ambiguous. You can't just love your own way. Love is not love. You don't get to define love as you go. Trust me, I've been married 20 years. The first five, I learned that. Second 15, I've been trying to make up for what I did the first five. You don't get to make it. Love is not ambiguous. It's love is not like um, uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Y'all know Dwayne the Rock, the, the actor. Y'all know who that is? The Rock. Y'all know it's how, cult, how he's culturally ambiguous. Like, you don't know what he is. You'd be like, oh, is Dwayne, is he black? No, is he, is he Asian? Is he, no, he Latino. No, he could be Samoan. Oh, no, he could be. Like, you don't know what he is. You're like, I don't know. I don't know what The Rock is. What is The Rock? <laughs> love is not like The Rock where it's ambiguous. Like, I don't know what it is. Love is more like Chris Rock. Uh, Chris Rock is black. <laughs> Chris Rock is black. Ain't nobody looked at Chris and said, oh, what is Chris? I don't know. Is he white? I don't know. Is he Asian? No, he could be Latino. He, no, he blackity black, black, black. <laughs> He is African-American black. <laughs> I don't know why I did that, but it seemed like a good ending to that, to that deal. Love is more like that. Ain't nobody, you, you ain't, it's no guesswork. We ain't got to sit around and figure out what love is. It's clear. Love is patient. It brings us, Paul ushers us and brings us into chapter 13, which is oftentimes referred to as the love chapter. Most often read at weddings, most seldom seen in marriages. The love chapter. Most, most often preached in churches, most seldom lived out in Christians. The love chapter. Can we just look at the love chapter? Can we remind ourselves of the love that God calls us to? So as we seek to lead and as we seek to love one another, we ain't making it up as we go. As we walk and navigate a culture and a world that's desperate for hope and light and love that we might be the offering and that this might be how we show up in the world, let's look at what love is. Number one, love is patient. Somebody shout patient. Oh, come on, streaming. Y'all shout it too. Y'all just going to let us do all the work? Well, y'all just sit and watch? This ain't the movies. Everybody say love is patience. Everybody shout patience. Patience. Now, the very idea that he says patience is because there are people in your life that will require patience. Come on. Some of y'all know those people. Anybody got people in your life that require patience? If you came to church with them, don't you turn your head. Just look straight ahead. That's the sense. Just look straight. They won't know it. He says, yes, there are people that will try your patience. He says, in order to love them well, show up with patience. Show up with capacity. If you know somebody that's going to require patience and you ain't got a lot of time, you probably shouldn't see them today. You're like, you know what? We need to reschedule. Oh, man, what's going on? I don't have enough patience for you today. And I, and I want to love you well. You, you, you know what I'm saying? But you can't do that because it's not about your patience. Because if that was the case, I would never go home again in my life. Um, but you got to say, God, the patience. Watch this. Here's the prayer. Y'all ready for this one? God, the patience that you have for me, may I have that patience for my neighbor. Because let me tell you something. To put up with you, God has to use a lot of patience. Oh, come on. You a mess. You know you a mess. People came to church with you know you a mess. Come on now. 
God is so patient with you. Lord, may the patience you have for me, may I have that patience for people that require patience in my life. Amen? Watch, watch what's, what's the next one? Next one says, love is kind. You know why? Because, because there's some people that require kindness. Because the, the natural proclivity is to be mean. You know who some of the most mean people in the world are? Christians. Christians are some of the most mean people. Some of the most Christian people, are, I mean, mean as hell. No, I'm not cussing. I, come on, I wouldn't cuss at the 11 o'clock service. If I'm going to do that, that would have been for the Saturday service last night. Uh, no, it's like when you compare the attributes of hell and the attributes of heaven, to be honest, to experience you is to experience more of the attributes of hell than it is to experience heaven. Hello in here, somebody. Don't y'all know how everybody got a mean lady on the job? Like, that's, oh, that's Miss Gladys. She the mean lady. When, you, when, you or, when somebody else going through orientation, like, nah, nah, hey, now Miss Gladys, don't mess around with her. She the mean lady. And then they come to Central for Church one Sunday and be like, Hey, that go the mean lady on the prayer team. Did y'all know the mean lady went to church? I'm texting my coworkers. Hey, y'all, the mean lady is at this church. She over here praying for people. Y'all ain't going to believe it. Let me take a video. See, that go the mean lady. I didn't know the mean lady went to church. All the mean ladies go to church. God says, God says you're mean. And that's not love. What does it mean to love people? When the natural, the natural response is to be mean to them. People that don't believe what you believe, think about how easy it is to be mean to them. People that don't vote like you vote, think about how easy it is to be mean to them. People who make decisions about race or abortion or about immigration and people that have different opinions than you do about it. Think about how easy it is to be mean to them. In some sectors, you're rewarded to be mean to them. You give them permission. Oh, they don't believe that. Forget them. They are terrible people. Really? Is that what love is? No, love looks like love even when it's those that are hard to love. It still needs to look like love. And love looks like patience, kindness. Can I give y'all some more? Oh, come on. Can I give y'all some more? The lady in the back was like, no, uh -uh, I'm done. I don't need nothing. I can't take no more of this. It does not envy. Love does not envy. And envy ain't about me wanting what you have. It's more the idea here is me being mad that you even have it. You see that? It's I don't even want you to have it. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. How easy does it take you to get angry at people that are easy to get angry at? What God is saying is that you should have a longer burn rate. Other people get angry like that. You should get angry like uh, that. Like you shouldn't get angry as easy. There are some people that make you get angry so easy. Like, you, you're supposed to see him next week. You already get angry early. <laughs> Your kids be like, Daddy, what's wrong? Ain't nothing wrong. Leave me alone. Get out of here. Oh, he going to see Uncle Richard next week. I forget. <laughs> Who gets you angry easily? What does it mean for you to love them well? Love does not, is not easily angry. Love, love, it keeps no record of wrongs. 
This is a big one. This is a counting term. It's the idea of keeping a spreadsheet on somebody. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. I got you. You on my list. Okay. One more time. Okay. One more. You got, hey, you got one more time. And you're just keeping a record. Who are the people in your life you're keeping a record? And you know you're keeping a record because whenever you talk to them about somebody else, you pull their whole record out. It's your mother-in-law. Talking to your spouse, you're like, uh-uh, see, because she did this in 05. Remember when we was at her house that time? And then, and then in 08, she did this. And then 19, 1927, her, her grandmama said that she did this. So she'd been a mess even before I came along. <laughs> Who are you keeping a record on? Can I just tell you, if God ain't keeping a record on you, can you really keep a record on somebody else? Hello, hello in here, somebody. If God ain't reminding you of your past, why should you be holding someone contempt by theirs? Hello. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. This delight in evil is the idea of not that love doesn't enjoy evil. No, um, It's the idea of love doesn't delight in the evil that happens in people's lives that are in fact evil. So in other words, love doesn't take a victory lap when bad stuff happens to bad people. You know that thing inside of you when somebody you don't like receives some news that they don't like or something happens to them and there's a little thing inside of you that exhales. It's like, hmm, And you like the fact that something bad happened to them? Oh, come on. Am I the only petty person in here? I'm the only petty person in Arizona, huh? I just just imported petty from California. Ain't nobody else petty in here today? Oh, come on. Let's be honest. There there are things when they happen. We're like, (laughs) oh, really? Oh, okay. That happened. Okay. uh. That's not love. Love doesn't rejoice when it rears its evil head in any area. Love doesn't rejoice in evil regardless of where it shows up. Love never celebrates in the reality of evil in anybody's life. Amen? Love does not rejoice in evil but rejoices in the truth. Um, It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Then he, it's almost like he changes subjects. It's almost as if he he, he turns another corner. He, 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 he goes into this, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I reasoned as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. It's like, it's like so where did that come from? We were talking about love, and now he's talking about my childhood memory verse. Like, what, what is that? I think what he's saying is, he's saying love at the end of the day, love grows up. Love grows up. So when I was a kid, I loved like a kid. I thought like a kid, I reasoned like a kid. But when I became a man, I had to put away childish things. So when love grew up in me, I had to put away childish patience. I had to put away childish kindness. I had to put away childish envy. I had to put away those young childish things so that love might grow up in me. Because when love grows up, it looks like Jesus. 
when love grows up in me, it looks like Jesus. And I'm sorry, y'all, we need more Christians that's got the love of God growing up in them so that we can look more like Jesus. He says we need to put away childish love. We need to put away immature love. We need to put away immature kindness. And kindness needs to grow up. You need to have a, a, a grown-up patience in you. You, have, you need to have a grown-up humility in you. Love needs to grow up inside of you. Friends, we need leaders. We need family. We need people in our community, on our jobs. We need Christians in the culture with a love that's growing up so that we can love people in the way that the world couldn't fathom loving them. Love needs to grow up. And when it grows up, we'll look more like our father. My 16-year-old daughter, when she was first born, one of the first thing, worst things you could say to her when she was a toddler, people used to say to her all the time, they used to go up to her and say, girl, you look just like your daddy. <laughs> first of all, my daddy's a dude with a beard. I don't look like a dude with a beard. But the girl couldn't help it. She looked just like me. When she was first born, she looked just like me. She turned two years old, she looked even more like me. She turned four, got a glasses, OMG, SMH. She looked even more like me. Y'all, homegirl turned up, she's 16. I didn't know I could look this good as a 16-year-old. I look at her and I think, boy, you are fabulous. <laughs> she looks just like me. It's almost as if every year she looks more like her father. That's what we're supposed to be. Every year, we ought to look more like our father. Y'all look around outside. It's dark out there. We need more hope. We need more light. We need more love. I'm reminded of a story of a guy named Robert. Robert was in a bad neighborhood and some missionaries moved in this bad neighborhood to witness and evangelize. And Robert was one of the first ones to come to Christ. It, the park was so infested with drugs and drug paraphernalia. No kids were even in the park. It was just drug dealers and just a bunch of darkness. And Robert, Robert, you know, the, you know the thin line between being spirit-filled and mentally ill? Like Robert was like right on the edge, like right on the edge and he took everything literal. He just accepted Jesus. He took everything literal. So Robert is reading the passage where it says, we are the light of the world. And Robert looks up and he says, we're the light of the world. We're the light of the world. We're the light of the world. And then he jumps up out of the Bible study, starts running down the street, screaming to the top of his lungs, we're the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. And they were looking like, um... Who's going to go get Robert? <laughs> so Robert's running around down the street. My friend Danielle Strickland, she was assigned to go and chase. So she finds Robert in that park with the drugs and all that kind of stuff. And he's in the middle of that park with his arms wide open. <sighs> Danielle walks up to him. She says, uh, Robert? <sighs> yeah. She says, um, what are you doing? He says, I'm being the light of the world. And then he says, can you feel the darkness trembling? Central, 
I'm telling y'all, we need to turn the light of God's love on and we need to go out and be the light of the world. We need to go into the neighborhoods and turn the light on. We need to go into communities and turn the light on. And as we turn the light and love on of God in the world, we can watch the darkness tremble because it will. When we come together, white folks, black folks, Asian folks, Latino folks, elephant folks, donkey folks, and we become the lion folks and we turn the light on, we will change the world. Let's turn the light on. Let's love one another for his glory. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our hope is that you are left inspired and challenged to continue to grow in your faith. If you are looking for more from Central, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. See you next time. Until then, go be the church.